Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cause Talk Radio. This is Megan Strand. Unfortunately, Joe Waters got called out of town today, so we will brave it alone all by ourselves. But today we have a fantastic guest, the author of a book called Reinventing Philanthropy. His name is Eric Friedman. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on Cause Talk Radio today. Thanks for having me. So Eric wrote a book called Reinventing Philanthropy, a framework for more effective giving. And I think you're going to find it absolutely fascinating because it goes counter to everything you've probably ever believed about giving and donating and being a donor. So Eric, can you tell us a little bit about why you felt compelled to write this book? What, what prompted the book? Well, several years ago, I uh, had decided to give away more of of my own money, and so I was thinking about um, where I should give. How should I pick a cause? How should I pick a a charitable organization? And so I I decided I I wanted to do some some research and and really try to do it in a way that would uh, make the the greatest impact. And so I read everything I could find on on the topic. Um, I talked to some people who were experts on the topic, but I was really unsatisfied with the responses I got. So people would tell me to do things like, you know, go with your heart, or they would ask me, what are you passionate about? And what I really wanted to do is, is find, you know, where, what does the evidence say is the most effective charities? And so I was really having a, a, a difficult time um, solving my, my, my problem. So I eventually went on to, um, to, to do more research and investigation. And um, as I um, did more and more, I, I realized that, that maybe one of the things I should do is I should put all of my own thoughts um, and essentially write the book that I wish I could have read years ago. And, and that's what I did with Reinventing Philanthropy. So now when most people start to give and they want to be analytical about it, they want to make sure they're doing their due diligence, they might t- turn to a website like Charity Navigator. And you talk about this in your book. So can you talk a little bit about those rating systems and, and if you found them to be adequate or not? Yeah, most of the big charity rating agencies are really good at helping donors avoid fraudulent and wasteful charities. But that's very different from trying to identify the top charities. So if you, you look at some of the charity rating agencies, the larger ones, they'll often give their top ratings to hundreds, maybe even over a 1,000 organizations. Well, I, I found that to really lack conviction in what works best. So I, I wanted a, a rating agency that will really identify the, the, the top, the, the cream of the crop. Um, the other thing that is a a flaw with uh, most of the charity rating agencies um, is that they focus a lot of their attention on um, overhead and administrative costs. Um, So that, again, it's important for, you know, weeding out the worst organizations. But just because an organization spends, you know, 90% of its budget on programs rather than overhead doesn't mean that that, those programs are actually effective. It doesn't mean that they they do a lot of of good. So you really need to to look beyond those those financial metrics to to understand um, what's doing the most good. Well, I think a lot of charities would appreciate you saying that because, you know, they get hammered with this overhead versus program cost. Um, And so you're bringing up a very valid point. But I want to go back to this emotional giving piece, because in our world, people who are in the nonprofit sector and who talk about the nonprofit sector, as we do often on Cause Talk Radio, you know, we always hear the message that it is about emotional giving. And I love you brought up a study that we have heard of also in this industry about 
people that give, how much they give when they're presented with a situation where their emotions are tapped into versus when they are in their more analytical mind. And what happens is that when they're in their more analytical mind, according to the study, this very famously widely quoted study, they give less. So you're saying, well, talk about what you talk about in the book, because I think, I think it's interesting and it's a totally different switch to this emotional giving versus this analytical giving. Sure. Well, um, so first of all, every donor is is, is different, and so um, uh, so so my book is designed for a certain a certain type of donor. It's the the type of donor essentially I I was. Um, I feel good about giving because it helps people, and so if I have more conviction that I'm helping people or I'm I'm helping people more doing, you know, better things, then I'm going to feel better about my giving. And so I think that there has traditionally been this dichotomy um, proposed between emotional giving and giving for high impact as if there's a, a, a tension between the two, that you can either give to the most effective charities or the charities you, you care the most about, and I found it in my own case that there was there was no dichotomy, that they're exactly aligned, that I feel the best about my giving when I give to the charities that I think are doing the, the most good, that I have the highest conviction in. And um, and there's a lot of other donors donors that are are in the same way. And so even though there are some some social science studies that that suggest something different, I, I find that they you know probably don't exactly apply um, to the situation of you know very thoughtful donors. Um, well, and w- I do want to talk in a minute about what donors should be doing but but i am i'm going to keep picking at this at this piece for one for example my co-host joe who's not here today which i'm kind of sad about because i think he would enjoy this conversation his blog is called selfish giving so and it's funny because one of the last chapters in your book says something about selfish giving or something to that effect but we're we talk a lot about on the show about cause marketing so companies partnering with a cause for mutual benefit now you point out something in your book about crowdsource giving like chase community giving or the pepsi refresh product can you talk about your your thoughts on those types of campaigns yeah there are um, a lot of different ways of, of giving that are um you know what i'll call a dual objective giving so corporate philanthropy is is often one example of that where the corporations really have two objectives you know one is they want to to, to give to do good in the world but two is that they have a, a profit motive so they want to give in a way that um, enhances their reputation for example, or, 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 or maybe even tie their giving directly to their sales. So in, in essence, trying to encourage more, more customers to, to, to buy their product. So they have these um, dual motives of, of profit and, and impact. Um, and so the, the question whenever there's dual motives is, you know, does one motive take a backseat to the other? Or, you know, can you have two motives without really um, uh, in, impairing one? And, and, and the answer is that there, there always needs to be, um, you know, one that takes a backseat to the other 
or in the very least, you know, b- both objectives are done a little bit less effectively because you're trying to do two things at once instead of having a, a singular mission of, of, of impact. So what I've found in, um, in a lot of those is the um, objective that tends to be at the front is the one that helps the donor. So in the case of, of corporate giving, not all corporate giving, but a lot of corporate giving, it's the one that supports the, the, the corporate mission best, enhancing the, the, the corporate reputation, getting a lot of publicity, uh, those types of things. And then you know, if there's impact, it's, it's almost a secondary concern. So I, I don't want to generalize all corporate philanthropy in this, this way because um, uh, so some of it is a very high impact, but a, a lot of it you do have impact really taking a, a, a backseat. Well, and I would make a differentiation between corporate philanthropy and cause marketing. So I think what you're talking about is cause marketing, where you have a public-facing piece and they want people to know about it. Corporate philanthropy, often consumers may not know anything about you know, the millions and millions of dollars that are being given to a charity in Africa, but we don't need to split hairs over that. But my, here's my question about that, though. And, and even your whole contention that you know, donor, donor-focused giving is not, not the best, isn't there a little bit of a self-perpetuating cycle that kind of has to happen, though, in the instance of the company? Don't they have to make money to be able to give additional money away? And in the instance of the donor, don't they have to kind of have that warm and fuzzy feeling about the puppies that they're saving in order for them to want to give more? I mean, isn't that just kind of basic human nature and economics 101 that you kind of you need one to have the other? Yeah, I, I think that's that's certainly true and, and very valid. And you know, in in my own giving, you know, I um, I started off wanting to give more because you know I, I saw a lot of a lot of problems in the world, and and I I felt like you know I couldn't you know personally just um, sit sit idly by. And I remember one of the um, one of the first. Uh, large gifts I made was um, when there was the uh, the tsunami in East Asia several years ago. I saw the the, the horrible pictures on TV, and I, I, I it was very emotional. I said I, I can't um, just I can't just watch this and do nothing about it. It was very emotional, and in the days following that that tsunami. I gave to a, a large organization that was doing relief efforts. I, I didn't know um, whether disaster relief was a very high impact cause. I didn't know whether I gave to a really good organization. I gave to a big organization that was. <laughs> it, it was very, it was very emotional, and and, um, uh, and and I did that. And there are other examples of, of my own giving where I've done um, similar things. But you know what happened over time is, in a sense, my my thinking uh, graduated from that, where I, I later realized that you know maybe disaster relief isn't the most high impact cause. It, it's um, there's a lot of evidence that many forms of disaster relief are very inefficient. Efficient. So, each dollar they receive, they can't do as much good as some other causes. Um, and so, as I realized that, then um, when another disaster happened several years later, for example, the um, the earthquake in Haiti, then I, I didn't give to the relief efforts in Haiti, um, you know, not because that wasn't a horrible event, it, it was, but because I thought that there were um, other charitable causes that could help more people. And so my emotions sort of started the ball rolling, but as I became, you know, more um, uh, more knowledgeable about the situation, 
um, then I started transitioning to more high-impact giving areas. And so I think that the, the emotions and the thinking are for many people, you know, very, very tied together. So, so, so yes, you, you've got to care about the puppies, but if you really care about the puppies and you start thinking about the puppies, then you're going to, you're going to figure out, you know, well, what is the best way to, to help the puppies? So there's this um, interrelationship between emotional giving and, and thinking giving. And I think what happens so often, and I think you point this out in your book, is that People just aren't presented with, well, maybe don't take the time or aren't presented with that information to be able to make educated decisions. So they're, they're making decisions based on their emotions in, in the lack of ev- evidence, whether, you know, they could go seek that out or not. So let's talk a little bit about what people should be doing. I, one of the things I do like about your book is not only are you making this criticism, you say, hey, here's a couple of resources that you could potentially look at or some frameworks that people are using to really measure impact and to, to be more diligent and thoughtful about your giving. So talk about a couple of those. Yeah. So um, one uh, example of, of an organization I really like, it's, it's called GiveWell. And, um, and, and you can call them a charity rating agency. I think of them more as a, a charity evaluator. They've looked at hundreds of charities, and they recommend three so this is very different from those organizations where you can look up, you know, any almost any big charity mm-hmm. and find a rating for them. They recommend three. That's their highest conviction three. And and they explain all the evidence about those three. They explain all of their value judgments. For example, you know how they make a trade-off between saving lives versus improving the quality of life. And one of the things that's that's really cool about them. Um, is is GiveWell provides so much information that everyone who looks at their analysis can find something to, to disagree with. And so, so they're not just saying, hey, here's our three, take it or leave it, but they're explaining their underlying uh, value judgments, and so they really give you a lot of, of information and evidence uh, about those about those three and, and why they have such high conviction in those 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 three charities. So if people, that's a great resource, and thank you for that, and, and I highly rec- recommend people check GiveWell out. So, but it, in the instance that you go to GiveWell and you think, eh, I'm not resonating with those three, what should be people be looking for from their from their charities? And this is also, we do have a lot of nonprofit listeners. What should nonprofits be telling people and sharing with people? You share an anecdote about sitting down with, I think it was an executive director of a major international charity, and he couldn't tell you why you should donate to their charity over another competitor charity. So, so what's your advice for nonprofits and for donors about the information they, that really needs to be getting out about impact? Yeah. Okay. Well, well let me um, let me start with with donors. Um, I think that the three um, most important decisions a, a donor makes when directing their giving are the geography, you know, where their giving is, is focused on, whether it's uh, local or global. Um, the second is the cause. So, are you focusing on uh, cancer or homelessness or education or malaria, um, which is somewhat related to, to geography, but, but it, it causes a different issue. And the third is the organization, giving to a, a, a charity that's, that's, that's really good in, in their particular area. And so I think with these three important decisions, 
donors really have to make sure that they're, they're firing on, on all cylinders and, and look at impact in all three of these areas. And, and if you sacrifice one of these three areas, geography, cause, or organization, um, then effectively you, you, you failed. And, and, um, or maybe that's, that's too strong. Shouldn't you? <laughs> you've, you've sacrificed a lot of, of, of impact. Um, uh, if you sacrifice, you know, any of, of these three categories. So, um, so just to go over them, um, geography, you know, America, America's a wonderful country. It's the best country in the world, in my opinion. Um, and we have a lot of problems here, but there are other countries who have a lot more in, in deeper, worse problems than, than we do. They have, you know, a lot of these really poor countries have, have problems that, that we literally solved, you know, 100 years ago. And so the solutions are, are extremely well known, um, and, and, and the, the bottleneck to, to implementing them is, is often it's just money and, and resources. I mean, sometimes there's, there's some, some knowledge there, but it's, it's very easy, whereas you know, most of the, the, the big problems um, in, in America are, are, are very um, difficult to solve. Effectively, we solve the easy ones. Everybody has clean water going into their, their homes. We all have um, sanitary toilets. You know, everybody here, almost everybody gets vaccinations. Um, so, so geography is a, a really important um, uh, 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 cause, and, and, and I believe that the evidence suggests that being open to to any geography globally um, really improves impact. Um, the, the second area is 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 cause. So, you know, education versus you know healthcare versus animal rights and, and those types of things. Um, you know, some causes are areas where nonprofits have proven solutions. And and some of them are, are areas where nonprofits have been you know struggling to make an impact, you know, years and years and years. Um, and so it's not just how big is the problem, it's do we have good solutions. And how, how are donors then, to find that information? Um you know I, I think um uh, there, there's there's a couple of good resources. There was a, a study called um, the Copenhagen Consensus. This is done naturally out of out of Copenhagen, and they they brought together um, uh, a, a lot of really um, really strong economists. I think there were like four Nobel Prize winners as as part of the Copenhagen Consensus, and they actually. Um, looked at um, about 30 different causes, and they did a cost-benefit analysis to say, you know, which causes um, have where can donors get the most bang for the, the buck, and, and they ranked those causes. And so, so that's, that's, that's available publicly, and it's actually very interesting where, you know, some of the causes that, you know, traditionally get the most money maybe are not the highest impact causes. And the highest impact causes are, are things that, you know, many people have, have never heard of. Mm -hmm. the, the final area is um, the, the nonprofit, picking a, a charity that's, that's really good at, at what they do. So you, you have to have an, an organization that has, you know, smart, effective uh, people on the ground. 
So, and we don't have a, a lot of time to, for you to answer this question, so I'll ask you to answer it briefly. But you sort of take issue with the nonprofits that we tend to hold up as really doing a stellar job. And why we hold them up as doing a stellar job is because they are excellent communicators. Now, you kind of take issue with this and you say, well, just because they do a good job communicating and they have a good marketing machine does not necessarily mean they have good impact. But in our world... You know, if you're not communicating well to people, you know, you're you're asking people to do a lot, really, you know, f- do lots of research and, and things like that. But in our world, sometimes people don't have the time to do that. Sometimes maybe it's only a small gift. Maybe it's not worth the effort to spend hours and hours of research. So talk a little bit about about that the the divide between impact and communication because some of the nonprofits that you hold up as really making a big impact I've never heard of not that I'm the litmus test but you know they were a little bit on the obscure side so so how can how can nonprofits and donors do a better job with this communication piece you know I, I think nonprofits are in a really um, interesting situation, you know, a, a, a nonprofit, um, in a sense, they, they have a, a, a fundraising arm, and the, the job of that fundraising arm is is is, is to fundraise, to, to bring in as much um, as much money as as possible. And, and I um, I respect a nonprofit's um, obligation to to fundraise in um, uh, you know almost any way that that is effective, and if that's catering to the emotions of donors, because you know, most donors don't do a lot of research when they're giving. Most of them are, are almost purely emotional, um, and and they want to cater to that. Then then I I can um, certainly appreciate that from the perspective of of, of, a, of a nonprofit, and I understand a nonprofit you know can't you know slap a big report of data in front of a uh, most <laughs> and expect a, a giant check to come out of it. So um, uh, the, the, the flip side is, well, well what should a, a donor do? Well, if a donor is really trying to evaluate the most high-impact charities, then a donor should kind of not be interested in, in that type of, of fundraising material. They should look beyond it. So in in a, a charity's case, I, I almost think that um, if a charity is a, a high-impact organization, then um, they, they might need to have, uh, in a sense, two sets of, of, of materials that they give. Um, you know, one of them is for uh, the emotional donors, and then and then the other one is is kind of that um, that that impact oriented thing. And, and then the nonprofit would would have to um, you know figure out which um, which donors to to give uh, which which set of materials to. Fantastic. The book is Reinventing Philanthropy by Eric Friedman. Eric, if people want to find out more about you or the book, how would they do that? Uh, well, my website is reinventingphilanthropy.com. Um, on there, that website, there's information about how to purchase the book. Uh, there's also an excerpt. The, the full text from the first chapter is there. So you can read the first chapter and, and see if, you, uh, uh, if you're interested in, in, in reading more. So reinventingphilanthropy.com. Thank you so, so much. And you can find more about cause talk radio on stitcher smart radio as well as itunes we do suggest that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and on behalf of eric and myself and joe who's unfortunately not here today we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of cause talk radio 